This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Good morning. All right, so here we go. This is uh, episode number nine of Duffified Live. Um, Happy Friday morning, everybody. I hope you all had a great week. Um, It has been uh, pretty eventful um, on this side of the world where I've been living over here in Philadelphia. I've been home for uh, just about the last week. Um, I uh, really haven't done much traveling this week just because I was on the road for like seven weeks back and forth. and, And trust me. Ending a trip with a uh, with a stop in Vegas uh, never uh, uh, is always a very wise, wise thing to do. So as you could tell, I'm yawning right off the bat. How about that? It's crazy. So it's 10.15 in the morning for me on Thursday. Uh, I'm just finishing up this week uh, after just running through just a, a crazy amount of stuff with being in the restaurant. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, the Flying Fish Craft House is in Philadelphia. Uh, we are in the process right now of just gearing up for this crazy world that we're about to call spring, uh, having a 70 day week and, uh, you know, kind of watching everything kind of move forward from that has been really beautiful. I mean, just, just the whole idea of the newness of spring and what comes with it, um, for us in the restaurant opening up in a, uh, a newer section of Philadelphia, an old section, but a newer section that's just being rebuilt has been a struggle, you know, um, no matter what you do, you still have to get people to come to your location, whether you're in the city, whether you're not in the city, you've still got to do that. So with that comes a tremendous amount of responsibility and, and just an unbelievable amount of work. You know, they always say location, location, location. Well, guess what? Location is definitely a huge part of it. But you take a look at restaurants like El Bulli that was completely out of the way. One of the top one, one of the number was the number one restaurant in the world, completely out of the way. It's a destination spot. So if people like that can make it, and guess what? They did make it for a while. They did struggle at the end. They are closed at this point, but you get the point. Um, location is big. Location is key. For us, we're about a year early in the location world. So we are struggling in certain places, uh, you know, with uh, with operationally and some of the other stuff. But for us, right now, it's about marketing. And one of the things that I always say is it's really – you know, it, it's hard to run a busy restaurant, but it's harder to run a slower restaurant or it's harder to run a restaurant that you're just, you know, kind of waiting for the sales to come through. Not that we're waiting for it, like I'm saying, but like I'm saying, but but what's happening is we're about a year early um, before the big boom is going to happen. We have about uh, 1,500 units that are getting ready to be put into place, uh, new housing, uh, new construction, uh, rehabs of old buildings, all of that stuff. So, so we've got to move forward, you know. I mean, we've got to we've got to really kind of kind of uh, you know put the nose to the grindstone, as they say, and get down there and, and really kind of go down and dirty with it. So the section that we're in is called Brewery Town, Philadelphia, and it is a subsection of Philadelphia that at one point had over seven hundred breweries. Over three hundred and fifty of them were within a ten block radius of where we are. So 
what happens during that time frame? A lot of the businesses go out, of, a lot of the, the buildings and whatnot go out of business. The businesses end up shutting down. Um, now you're left without jobs. Now you're left with a really kind of a crazy little area that starts to get uh, get a little bit unsafe. You know, before we opened the restaurant, there was a murder. Uh, I don't know, eight weeks before we opened the restaurant. Uh, the DEA had come in. They had done a tremendous amount of arrests. And they're really doing an amazing job to get rid of any of the crime that was there before. Now. We don't see the crime like it's been talked about in the past or any of that. It's a very, very wonderful neighborhood. We have 141 units across the street of new construction within the last 10 years. My partners have 161 units upstairs. And we treat that kind of like a hotel. Uh, we do offer room service. We do offer call ahead. We have an app that we use that we had developed that is amazing. And if you guys want to get the app, it's really pretty cool. Um, it's called, it's, it's uh, just Flying Fish Craft House. That's the app. Um, one of the things that we do with the app is a lot of geotagging. We do a lot of geofencing. So, you know, if you're hanging out down there in uh, at Citizens Bank Park for a game and we put a geofence over top of it, you get a free beer by coming in and showing us the app or coming in and showing us uh, uh, your tickets. So there's a lot of things that we're doing with that as well as we're doing a local kind of grassroots marketing campaign where – we physically send servers and bartenders out into the neighborhood. They knock on doors. They introduce themselves. We drop off menus. We drop off welcome letters, um, you know, thanking them for, for allowing us to kind of rip their neighborhood up over the last two years that we have for, during the construction of not only the apartments, but the restaurant as well. Um, some of the big stuff that we're really working on right now is we do have an, an ad agency or we have a, a marketing company that we work with and they're called a Jungo and they're very aggressive. They really do a tremendous amount with our, with our SEO. They do a tremendous amount with uh, all of the work that we're doing and all the emails and everything that we're doing. So, you know, if you can afford it and you can have that opportunity, you definitely should get involved with somebody like that. You know, and then it comes down to the really basic things of, you know, in our restaurant, I have requirements. I call them nuts. You know, everybody jokes around. But one of the things that I say is I'm a little bit crazy. I'm a little bit off my rocker. But one of the big things for me is nuts. And there um, years ago, there was a book that I had read that was called nuts. And it was non-negotiable, unalterable terms and systems or standards, however you want to do it. I take the term nuts and I bring it to me a little bit further, which is non-negotiable, unalterable terms, systems, and standards. So within the restaurant, because of the fact that I'm not there as much as I, I, I want to be because of my other businesses and because of appearances and traveling and, and all of that stuff with consulting, it makes it a little bit tough to be in the restaurant all the time. So from there, I created nuts. And these are things that are non-negotiable and unalterable. They're things that should happen every single day. And this is something that really gets driven by the general manager of the property. You give the nuts to the general manager, and then they follow through with them. And some of those things that I have are we do, we do three posts per shift. Um, so we do a culture post, which is typically anything that involves our branding, our logo, anything that involves our staff members, because we have a tremendous amount of staff. We, we have, let me rephrase that. We have a tremendous staff. We have a great group of people that have really been there during the initial struggling phases after our general manager went to jail, uh, all the way down to, you know, our bussers and dishwashers and, and, and everybody else, huge parts of the, of the importance of the business. So. During this time frame, we need to, when I'm not in the restaurant, I, I require our general manager to follow through on certain things. So the posting um, 
is really important. So the first one, again, being the culture shot. One of those things where it's a server or a bartender, somebody doing something that is in the restaurant. A lot of times it's pouring beer because we're a beer house. That's what we do, man. We serve great beer. You know, Flying Fish out of New Jersey that we license the product from are amazing. The beers that they produce are unbelievable. Right now we have seven exclusive beers that are on our taps that are not available to anybody else. You know, the only place to get Duffified Ale is to walk into our place. So <clears throat> it's kind of a neat thing to be able to do that. And then to be able to market that on top of it is huge. And then the second one that we do is we do food. We take a picture of one of our food items that we do for the day, whether it be a daily feature, a daily eat, as we call them, or we take a picture of one of our classic menu items. You know, our burgers, whoops, dropped a screw bit. Uh, one of our burgers uh, is called She's Crafty, and it's big, and it's fat, and it's super sexy, and it's got an egg, and it's got pork belly, and it's got cheese, and it's got all the really good stuff on there, and it's a beautiful burger. It photographs really well. People really like it, so we take pictures of that a lot. We also have daily eats that we do every day, and the daily eats that we do every day, because of the fact that I'm on the road, I have an amazing executive chef who's in the restaurant. But he's a busy guy, so I, I, I basically set up some more nuts with him on things that we do. So every day we run a mac and cheese. Every day we run a taco. Every day now we run a poutine. Every day now we run a pizza. So we always have kind of a guideline for features with that stuff that we market that out as well. The third thing that we market is is booze, whether it be a cocktail, whether it be uh, beer, whether it be wine, whatever it is, we rarely do wine because we don't sell a tremendous amount of wine. It's a very small percentage within our restaurant because, again, we're a beer house. But but it's important for me to make sure that these things go out. And this is stuff that I do with clients all over the world as well, where we have certain hours that we post, um, you know, to gain the attention, grab that drive time traffic and whatnot. But it all comes down to nuts. It all comes down to the non-negotiable, unalterable terms, systems, and standards. These are things that that if your staff is not following through with, when you're in, whether it be in your absence or, or just in a day to day, you know it's really time to take a look at your staff and, and find out, you know, what their agenda is, or maybe they have a better idea. It's something that I try to reach out to my staff and say, hey, look, what is your idea? You know, how do you guys do it? For us, when it comes to marketing within the restaurant, especially, I am I'm I, I'm obsessive compulsive about the word six weeks out. That that those those little things, six weeks out, three words, are so important because I'm not coming up with the marketing on a daily basis. I'm not coming up with the events on a daily basis. We have people within the restaurant who are doing that between a jungle, between Liz, who who is our marketing director, between my manager, my AGM, our, our floor manager, you know. I want them to be creative and I want them to come up with ideas. And so for what we did, we have a marketing sheet. And what the marketing sheet does is it puts uh, it gives all the information of the event that you want to run. It's pretty straightforward. What date do you want to run the event? What is the purpose of the event? Because everything that we do in a restaurant has to have a purpose. You know, do I want to run an industry night just to make money? Well, fine. That's okay. That's a purpose. But the, to get to the purpose or to find out the ultimate end of it, you have to go through the process first. So what is the process to get to the purpose? So the process for me with marketing is very straightforward. We use a marketing sheet. On there, we put the name of the event, the day of the event, how many people are expected in the event, what special things are we going to need for this event, decorations, a certain style of food, do we require a certain beer glass, a certain champagne flute, like what is it that we need to make sure that we have in-house leading up to it? 
So my staff, I try to get them up on an eight-week process. So two weeks, they can sit around and talk about it. But six weeks, it should then come to me or come to my partner so that we can really kind of finalize that last bit of it. We take a look at the event. We see what the potential revenue is. We see what kind of staff we're going to need. And then we might make a couple of tweaks here or there. You know, a big one for us was Easter. What are we going to do for Easter? Well, what we're doing is we're doing marketing. We're walking out. We're hitting the local neighborhood. We're talking to everybody. We have certain flyers that are being distributed around. We're doing old school, man. We are going around to the local area, the parking lots, where we have all of these great events that happen. We have huge fields. Fairmount Park is in my backyard of the restaurant. In Philadelphia. And for those of you who do not know, it is the largest city-owned park system in the world. So we have parks everywhere you look, whether it be down in Rittenhouse or Washington or Union. I mean, Union's up in New York. I was just up there the other day. But we And, and Fairmount Park is the largest park city-owned park system in the world. So we have a tremendous amount of opportunity to hit a lot of the outdoors people that are coming up that are walking around. So we're doing outdoor marketing with that throughout the week. We're doing a whole flyer campaign, which has, you know, download our app, get a free beer. We've got a whole thing that happens with a, a map that's on there. Um, you can geotag your location. It will automatically give you directions to the restaurant through the app. So it's kind of a big deal for us to really get down and dirty with it and get into that marketing world because of the location that we're in. So how do we handle that moving forward? So once this six-week process, once they write off or we sign off on this six-week process, then what I do is then it's up to the staff to execute it from that point forward. We usually have a week prior or two week prior, but by doing something six weeks out, it leads and gets your staff to focus on things further down the road as opposed to, oh shit, it's Easter, what are we gonna do? That's a scary thing to be able to have to come up with ideas and, and, and to have to coddle something over a two, three, four, five, six, seven day period as opposed to having a two month out window where they can start the creation of it. So this afternoon, Afternoon. As soon as I'm done here, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm heading directly into the restaurant um, so that I can go down and meet with our director of marketing so that we can go through the next six weeks. And in reality, what it is is the next seven weeks. I know this isn't making sense. I keep talking about six weeks out. But what I want to do every week is I want to know what is that seventh week? What is in that seventh week so that we can start to coddle it and create it and I can help you along with that process? So those are a couple of things that I do. You know, opening a restaurant in a gentrified area, which is where we are, is a tough thing to do. We have a couple of small little restaurants that are three blocks away up on Girard, but we're really the only major restaurant that's in this area. We have a couple, like I said, great restaurants around us, 2637 Brew, uh, Rye Brew, uh, Spot Burger. I mean, come on, Josh over at Spot Burger does crazy, crazy burgers, and they're out of this world. But we're the largest restaurant with 8,000 square feet of space. We've got parties booked almost every weekend. People rent out our beer gardens and our main dining room and our private dining room. But we still have to do our marketing. So... That's kind of the direction that I go with that. I hope you guys took something out of my little six-week talk for the direction that I like to go with things. It's important to me to try to be way, way, way ahead of the game as opposed to doing everything last minute. When you do things last minute, you do things half-assed, and it's just not fun that way. So everybody do me a favor. Sit down with your staff. Have conversations with them. If you're the owner, if you're the general manager, allow them to get creative. Allow them to come up with ideas, you know. And, and, and then coddle those ideas with them. Um, 
a lot of times the owners of the restaurants are a little bit older than the people that are working in the area. You know, my demographic runs anywhere from 25 upwards of 45 to 30, you know, 35 to 45. We have a lot of families that come in on the weekends. We have younger crowds that come in during the week. We have a huge amount of beer drinkers. And guess what? I'm not a beer drinker. I'm 45. I have 16 year old and 13 year old daughters. You know, I'm not on my finger isn't on the pulse. Well, it is because of my business of every single thing that happens. So or or the newest ideas. So I rely on my staff to come up with great ideas. So that's what I hope that you guys are going to do as well. I'll finish with this. Uh, A couple of years ago, I had a guy who was 52 and he owned a little sports bar in a college town. He was on a main drag with a bunch of other a bunch of other college bars. And he called me up and said, hey, I'm having trouble with getting people come in. You know, I, I find that everything that I do really comes down to trying to undercut everybody else around me. You know, I've got a guy up the street who does like a, you know, a dollar, uh, a dollar drink until you drop style type thing. And and those sort of things are, are great and wonderful in a college bar. But you still have to be able to make money and you still have to be able to pay your bills. So. One of the things that we discussed was allowing the staff, and he's like, oh, my staff has no idea what they're doing, and usually when we hear that, it becomes a problem, because it means that you're not allowing your staff to do stuff, and I really try hard to allow my staff to do things. I really try hard to allow our managers and general managers and director of marketing to come up with great ideas, and I always say, think outside of the box. Here's a box. Let's do something outside of it, and (laughs) to give you a second story, I walked into the restaurant the other day. And we do a huge Bloody Mary bar. A guy named David Larkin is our bartender back there, and he puts it together every Saturday and Sunday for us. And it's like three-tiered, and there's big, huge towers and just great things involved. One of the things that we do is we have a whole kind of rimming section. So you can rim the top of your glass with Old Bay or smoked Maldon salt or chocolate if you want to for your Bloody Marys. You can do whatever you want. So I walked in and I look over and I, I, I look over and there's a sign in front of it with everything listed down beneath it. And the name of this section of our Bloody Mary bar was called the Rim Job. So I grabbed the sign and I kind of giggled to myself for a second and I put it in my pocket and I walked over to the general manager and I said, uh, remember that line that we discussed? We just crossed it. And he kind of laughed and he kind of giggled for a second. He said, I, I had a feeling I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but you always tell us to reach out of the box and, and go for, you know, go bigger, go home and get a set of balls and do something. So this day they got a set of balls. Unfortunately, those balls need to be tucked right back into those pants, but, uh, it was, uh, it was a pretty good one. So the rim job is not the best way to do it, but. Real quick, back to my other story. So this guy, we sat down and I started to talk to the staff. And um, one night I went out with the staff and I kind of went to a bunch of different bars and I had conversations with them. Why do you go to this bar? Because of, you know, the bartenders are really good looking. Why do you go to this bar? Because they have great specials. Why do you go to this bar? Well, the ambiance is great. And one of the things that we discussed about the bar that my buddy owned, not my buddy, but my client at this point owned was the fact that they felt like they were walking into like their grandmother's or grandfather's house. It just wasn't, there wasn't that comfortable feeling of walking in there. Um, they felt like it was a lot of old men that were really kind of gawking at the girls and that the owner of the restaurant was doing things that, that they just didn't feel comfortable with. So, 
we stick, we stepped back. I took a look at their Facebook. I took a look at their Instagram and their Twitter. And I kind of went through all of that stuff. And I started to see that the bulk demographic that they had had nothing to do with college. And then I started to go back and take a look at some of the features and some of the specials that they were doing throughout the week. And it was the same as everybody else. It was karaoke. It was, you know, it was bingo. It was, you know, Monday night football. It was all these things that everybody else was doing. But the thing is, is that the old man, the guy who ran the bar, was the one running the promotions. So he was kind of that. And if you've seen me on Bar Rescue, you've seen the show out in Denver. He was that kind of army guy that was from Denver that was standing out front like, hey, free sex for anybody who comes in, like doing that sort of stuff. So the girls were feeling, you know, they were feeling subjected and they were really feeling objectified to the fact that that the owner of the restaurant was kind of selling them as sex symbols. And they felt like they were working in an old man dirty bar. So the first thing that I did with him was I said, I sat him down and I said, you know, everything I do is for a purpose. And this is the process of going through it. I have to explain to you where we are. Your staff thinks you're a dirtball. Your customers, your guests, your clientele think that you're a dirtball. You are a 52-year-old man who is marketing to 22- and 23-year-old girls that are trying to come in, that that are coming in. and, And they're feeling uncomfortable. So let's step back. And he was kind of offended at first, but but when, it, when we finally got through it, he really kind of got the gist of it. But I, I said, I need you to step back. And then we had a marketing session. I called them creative sessions. I sit down with the entire staff and we go back through. You know, we whiteboard a whole bunch of stuff. We have somebody who just takes notes. And then we start to coddle ideas. So we started to listen to all of the servers, the bartenders, and the bussers, and the cooks of what they were doing and where they were going and what they were doing after they left this bar. And... Oddly enough, within about 30 days, I got a call from them and their sales had started to increase because what they did was they really started to market more from the younger perspective as opposed to the older perspective. So what's the moral of this story? The moral of the story is you don't know everything. Allow your staff to help you out, especially if you're a 52 year old guy who you're acting like a dirtball in a restaurant. You're never going to get the quality people to come into your place and you're never going to get the quality people to come in and work for you. So that's my rant for this week. That's what I have for you guys. Um, I hope uh, I hope some of it kind of worked out for you and I hope you liked it. But one of the things that I uh, uh, want to talk to you guys even more about this week is the fact that. We just uh, got back from Vegas, and I had a great week out there at Nightclub and Bar. I had a great time hanging out with everybody, but one of the big things that I really got to do was do our Food and Beverage Innovation Center. So, um, so to do the Food and Beverage Innovation Center was a big task for stuff that I worked on, and, and, and you're going to hear me talk about it. But it couldn't have been done with some amazing people like Ashley Garceau and, uh, and uh, you know, Gary Nam. These are people who, who really put it together. But the chefs that I worked with while I was out there, I have to do a huge throw out and, or a huge shout out to. So, you know, uh, Chad Rosenthal from the Lucky Well in Ambler, Pennsylvania and Panini Pete from the Panini Pete's fame and, uh, and uh, Sunset Point down in Alabama and Destin, Florida. Matt Varga from Gracie's up in Providence, Rhode Island. Kayla Robison out of uh, Cincinnati. Uh, Matt, um, not Matt, um, Keith Breedlove and his wife, Amy from, uh, culinary, uh, uh, food truck in Sacramento and chef Nick Liberato from the, uh, 
the Venice Whaler in LA, um, as well as uh, Chef Rosito from Johnson and Wales and all the students from Johnson and Wales. This event could not have happened if it wasn't for you guys. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do a really quick kind of recap with each one of the chefs to see exactly what their thoughts were and what their favorite parts of that week and, 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 and what their favorite parts of that, you know, the, the event were. For me, it was huge. Uh, it was a huge success for the company that we worked with, which was Middleby and Chef's Warehouse. Plus, it was just a massive, in my mind, success for the show itself. To be able to offer a new and innovative way to take a look at doing your food, a new and innovative way to look at doing um you know, equipment within your small space. It's, it's really a good thing. So if you guys can do me a favor and, uh, just hang out for a minute, check out this little interview that I did with, uh, with my new buddy, uh, chef Matt Varga from Gracie's restaurant up there in Providence, Rhode Island. We are in the process right now. What I'm doing is I'm talking to a whole bunch of chefs that were involved in the nightclub and bar food and beverage innovation center from last week while I was in Vegas. Um, you heard a couple, you heard a little bit of me talk about it when I was talking with Kayla last week on the show. And then, uh, this week, uh, I talked to, um, we're talking to Matt Varga. Matt is the chef of Gracie's up in Providence, Rhode Island. Matt was actually the first chef on stage, um, which is always a huge uh, feat because you don't know how things are going to work. You don't know whether or not it's fully set up. And and Matt did a great job. So everybody do me a favor and uh, get your kids out of the room because I'm no stranger to fucking cursing. As we all know, it's the way that I work. Uh, if I lose my explicit rating, I get pissed because then I'm kind of held into a child's world. So everybody do me a favor. Turn your radios all the way up. Get your kids out of the room. And uh, let's talk to Chef Matt Varga about nightclub and bar. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Chef. Good to, awesome, good to be here. I'm glad that you're here, man. I'm glad we had an opportunity to talk. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit prior to uh, the event itself, just some real quick conversations back and forth. But it was it was really a pleasure uh, getting to work with you. Um, well, likewise, you know, I mean, you know, I was I was really impressed that you were able to pull all of this together. I know dealing with chefs and their schedules can be, you know, pretty hectic uh, that you were the fact that you were able to pull all that together and organize. It was, uh, you know, pretty, pretty incredible for, for, for me to see, you know, <laughs> Thanks. I, had, I had a lot of help behind me between Gary and uh, uh, between Gary and Ashley. But then then for me, I think the real key part was that we just had we had a we had we had great chefs. I mean, true. Oh not, yeah, not prima donnas, man. Without a doubt, not prima donnas. Yeah. You know, you guys busted your ass over a full three day period. You know, I mean, these were these were long days. These were working in weird conditions. I mean, what, talk talk about that. I mean, what was your experience of the whole thing? Well, you know, coming into it, I didn't know what to expect, but you know, you know, having everything laid out, having everything planned out, and again, having rock star chefs in there that are no strangers to, to hard work and getting it done. Um, really made it all happen, you know. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things, like walking into any kitchen, you know, trying to find out where everything is, learning the ways, you know. Um, yeah, but I mean, like you said, I mean, we had great guys there, and 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 you know, no no strangers to uh, to getting it done and figuring it out. So, I mean, with that said, uh, you know, I really think that the the group that you were able to pull together really made made it happen. Well, it, I mean, for me, it was a big deal to have, and, and I, I mean, I knew, I knew, I knew eighty percent of the people that were on our panel. 
you know, I mean, I've worked, I've, I've never really worked with Kayla, but Chad, you know, uh, Keith and all those guys, I know, you know, I mean, I know their history and I know their lineage of what they've done lineage. Like we're, like we're thoroughbreds over here. Um, yeah. And they're great guys to work with. I mean, uh, you know, first time for me meeting them and, you know, you know, as far as, you know, networking and be able to create contacts, I mean, that was huge for me, you know, working with the equipment is in a whole nother story, but, you know, being able to create those bonds and those friendships were, you know, it's priceless, you know, especially yeah. in this business. And, and it's funny because I, you know, I just talked to Kayla a little while ago about it and I talked to Chad the other day when him and I were hanging out and I talked to Panini about it after we got back. And I think that's one thing that we all really gained from it. You know, you put, uh, you, we, we literally put eight chefs together as one well as an instructor and a series of culinary students together to pull off something we serve you know we serve 2000 meals a day yeah i mean that, that was a volatile you know concoction oh you know? my god yes if you throw one one bad egg in that oh. mix you know that could you know that could destroy the whole thing but no i think everybody had a good head on their shoulders everybody was a, you know a team player um and again you know you know, just experience too. Yeah. You know, you had a lot of experience in that room, and just and, Panini uh, alone, he's like fifty nine. I think Panini's old. Dude, he's older than that Dirt. He's awesome. You know, oh, you kidding me? He's the shit, you dude. Know? Those guys were great. Um, you know, I was. It was great to work with them. Great to see how they work. You know, and you got so many different backgrounds there as well. So you know, you pull that together, and you get just this powerhouse. You know. Yeah, it was fun. I'm excited for next year, and I'm excited. You know, we're probably going to add three. Probably going to add three more chefs into the mix, and I'm going to do a contest with those people so that we can see who out there in the country. You know, I want to pull some fun people. I'll be honest. You know, you were suggested to me through Johnson and Wales, and and I, you know. I didn't know your style. I didn't know your food. I didn't know your personality. And and look, a chef can can be can run either way. They can be the biggest dick in the world, or they can be what you guys all were. Um, so it, it was a pleasure for me to to be able to spend a little bit of time with you. And I mean, we didn't even get to hang out that much because it was just such a crazy week. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on. You know, um, you know, these guys, that guy. You know. But but having that Johnson Wales connection for me is huge. Um, those those kids did a great job, really kind of you know backing us up and, and and making sure things are getting done. Um, you know, and Chef Zito there, kind of you know, Lord, just what killing a great guy. What he he cracked me up, man. That guy, I, I, I did not expect. He's been in the game for a long time. You know, he, he knows the um, game well. He plays it very well. Yeah, you know, pull. You know, what do we do? We went over, grabbed a, you know, a blender mixer. Guys, like, yeah, I got it done. You know, no, no problem, no problem. You know, <laughs> well, and that's you know. So for next year, obviously, we're gonna have we're gonna have all more of the equipment that we need. Plus, I'm 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 gonna be heading out to Middleby to go into their showroom and into their warehouse and take a look at equipment and see what we're gonna do for next year. But I, I keep referring back to our group text, which has everybody on it. Uh, and in there, my favorite picture is the one, and I don't know if if it's in this one or if it's in another one we have called Ass Juice, but there's there's a picture of of Kayla whipping together egg yolks with uh, with a pair of tongs, and she said, "I love that we were in the F and B Innovation Center, but we didn't have a whisk." Yeah, you know, eh. I mean, it's like we got to come up with something. Some, I think best. one of the kids pulled the whisk out of their knife for all. Of, well, that's like that's like you know, it's one of those things, though. That's how you learn, <laughs> you know, and that's how you get better, you know. Exactly. You're faced with challenges, you overcome them, and then you know for next time. It's like that's I, you know that's how you get better. That's how you learn, and that's that's how you move forward. You know, I, you know. I've been. If you're in, not making mistakes. You're not learning. Yeah. You know. But it's so funny to watch the way that people are now. I mean, talking about innovation and, and stuff like that. That it all really comes back to the knife. 
if you think about it, it oh. really comes back to the knife. And I had, I, I mean, I, I open, I open restaurants all over. You know, I deal with different levels of staff from people that have never really had the opportunity to hold a knife up to quality guys like yourself. And, 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 and in my kitchen, one of my cooks walked up to me one day and said, chef, I, I can't do the julienne carrots because the mandolin is broken. <laughs> I stopped and I was like, everybody, everybody, come here. Everybody has like, I don't, I think we should shut down for the night. Like we need to stop what we're doing and we need to shut down for the night. And, and in the interim, my, my chef, it, it was there with me kind of, he knew exactly the direction we were going. And I think he, he kind of walked into the kit, into the walk-in, grabbed a couple of carrots, came out, like laid a cutting board down. And I stopped and I said, if you can't use this, you can't work in the kitchen. You know, if you can't think outside of the box, then it's never going to come together. It's just never. You're going to be waiting for a piece of equipment to help you or somebody else to help you the rest of your life. So I come Absolutely. A knife, a spoon, and your tongue, you know. You got to be able to taste. You got to be able to cut. You know, that's the way it goes. Exactly. What are, are, I mean, how how many are in your kitchen? Um, Geez. And I'm busy night, you know, I got 10, 10 guys. That's nice. uh, two dishwashers, two fish cooks, two meat cooks, two pastry, and two garmage, and myself. So, wow. Um, That's a nice little. And, yeah. And how big's your space? Um, it's, it's not big. It's about 700 square feet. Wow. You know? Um, you know, we do have a small pastry kitchen downstairs, but, uh, you know, I got two guys cooking. We're doing, you know, 150 to 200 on a busy night. So, you know, one, one guy's cooking fish, one guy's cooking meat. They're both, they're both churning out entrees, sides, and hot apps. So, right. you know, if you can so, imagine that. And then the rest of everybody's plating. That's fun, man. You know, we're pretty detail-oriented here, you know. Try not to do too much as far as fabrication. We really want to uh, let the ingredients speak for themselves. We're dealing with a lot of local farms, local producers, and we really want to, you know, highlight their work. Sure. So. Sure. So what, what equipment did you use on stage? And what, what was your recipe, first off? You did the croquettes. Uh, we did the, the chicken croquettes, which are inspired by, you know, a, a, a traditional Spanish tapas uh, from a bar, Lardi. So croquetas de Lardi. Um, traditionally chicken and, 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 and serrano ham. But we kind of we, we changed it up a little bit. We did the uh, we did the uh, the baker's bacon. We did the, uh, you know, um, the free bird chicken breasts. And we used some incredible equipment. We, you know, those, the, the turbo chef, we cooked those chicken breasts, you know, from raw in six minutes and 30 seconds. I was blown away. Dude, I did, I, I did my wings. Home. Yeah, That's, I know. That was crazy. I, I did the wings in there as well. And it's, and it, I mean, the, the cool part, we lucked out because, because, uh, Middleby gave us, you know, not one, not two, but three turbo chefs and the three big one. Chef, yeah. That we were doing, you know, half sheet trays of wings in six and a half the minutes. I five, the I five. That thing was a workhorse. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. Workhorse. What? Yeah, um, no, that was that was probably my favorite piece of equipment that I got to work with. You know, next to the uh, next to the 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 Crispin hold. That thing yeah, was great. That thing was. You know, blasting I mean. that hot air, making sure that that food was nice and crispy and warm, and um, you know, the perfect fry too. That thing was that thing was incredible. I mean, that would go in, you know, any any you know bar or nightclub that you know didn't have the capability of a hood system yeah. you know that thing was rocking 
And then well, that Wells piece, the the flat top with the convection un, oven was, underneath. Yeah. We didn't even bust that thing out until the last the, the second last day. day, and you know, know. That, thing, that thing that thing that thing put in some work, dude. And what's um, funny is I originally had that thing firing on all all cylinders, <laughs> dude. Keith, if Keith, if something was laying around, Keith was cooking it. That was the yeah, best part absolutely. about Keith. He'd be like, "Oh my God, look, we have uh, we have oh, two and a half pounds of bacon fat right, here." Staff meal. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that was yeah. It was great. Him and Amy were amazing. Um, uh, See that uh, that education background in him, really that that nurturing, you know, teacher aspect, you know, really, you know, pushing. Um, You know, that guy's got one speed. It's balls to the walls. I'll tell you. Well, you know, and that's that's that food truck world, man. I mean, a lot of times chefs get a little complacent when they get into the kitchens. They start becoming execs and they start kind of backing off of being in the kitchen, being on the line. And, 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 and you know, as Keith looked at me at one point and he said, dude, this is one of the greatest days. I'm having so much fun being here. I said, it, it's got to be tough because you're a food truck operator. And if, if you're if you're not wheels on the ground, you're not making money. Oh, absolutely. You know, so it was really a big deal for him and Amy to get out there and spend as much time as they did with us and for them to get a little vacation as well because they worked their asses off. Plus, they have kids and all that stuff. So it's kind of crazy. But um, so what uh, so one of the things that I really liked about your dish was it was a classic croquette. But but you did something a little different. You did a bechamel, and, and you kind of went a little bit further with it, which was one of the reasons why I like the recipe so much because it is a little bit more innovative as opposed to just taking, say, a mashed potato and kind of going that world. So so your recipe, what was that? Um, so basically, you're using, you're using everything. You know, you're basically starting out with uh, your you know, butter, olive oil, and bacon fat, and then you're using that to make your roux. So you're toasting your flour with your bacon fat, your butter, and your olive oil, and then you're using the, the chicken juice, that, that the renderings from the breasts after they've been cooked to kind of turn that into your bechamel sauce, your, your, your roux-thickened uh, um, sauce, you know, with a little bit of milk, and then you fold in the, the chopped up uh, chicken, and then you season it with a little nutmeg, black pepper, um, and then and then salt, and then you cool it down, and that sets right up. Um, at which point, you know, you can form it into whatever shape, uh, you know, traditional croquetas, or or you know, we did uh, little seventy scoop balls. They were about an ounce and a half, and then bread them in panko. You know, we threw them right into that perfect fry, and I couldn't believe, you know, how <laughs> awesome that thing handled croquetas because those. Croquettes can be one of those things that's make or break in the fryer. They could either yeah. explode or they can get squished. Um, but I'll tell you that that perfect fry machine. We dropped them in there. I crossed my fingers and walked away. I came back, yeah. you know, two minutes and thirty seconds later, and there they were, perfect golden brown, bubbly on the inside. Yeah, um, they were pretty good. I was like, all right, perfect. That and thing, then what that was your worked. what was your sauce? Um, it was a hot honey. So we took some right. Calabrian chilies, a um, little bit of honey, some sriracha, a little bit of rice wine vinegar, some uh, some soy sauce, a um, little chiffonade of, uh, of green onion, um, as well as some uh, smashed garlic. Blended it together in the Vita prep and then, uh, you know, just let it marinate overnight. Nice, uh, so man. it kind of adds that balance, that sweet, you know. But a little bit of heat and a little bit of tang from that the vinegar in there. So yeah, that was good, um, dude. I was impressed. Yeah, man, that's, that, you good, know, that's a good sauce. I enjoyed watching you your work, know? and I enjoyed watching your work with staff and 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 you know a- adapting to what we had going on in that kitchen. Next year is going to be a little bit different, like I said. But but uh, you know, uh, I know you're busy. I know you got to get back in. You got a crazy month ahead of you, and you got a bunch of work to do. So so uh, you know, I, I really want to thank you for your time, and I want to thank you for taking you know a couple of days and heading out to Vegas with us and and kind of joining into to our crazy little 
little uh, dysfunctional group that we have of uh, of a fun group of chefs. So, you know, thanks, brother. Yeah, well, no, thank you for including me. I had a blast. You know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about equipment and met a lot of great people, made some great connections. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to see what you guys got uh, in store for us next year. Well, next year you definitely have to do a double down with us so we can add you into the Ask Juice group. <laughs> um, and uh, give you a really, really nice, uh, ni- nice bunch of fun for the next day. So, um, so hey, chef, why don't you do me a favor? Can you tell us how uh, how people can follow you? How people can follow your restaurant as well? Um, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook, uh, Gracie's Prov, as well as Instagram. We're on Wedding Wire. Um, you name it. We also got a bakery down the street called Ellie's. We're going to be expanding later this year. Um, so we got a lot going on. That's awesome, man. And are you on Instagram personally as chef? I'm, I'm Instagram, uh, Matt Varga, Matthew Varga on Twitter, uh, Gracie's Matt. Beautiful. So, Beautiful. yeah, all over the place. <laughs> wow. I love Matt Varga. He's, uh, he, he's a passionate dude. He's somebody who I really uh, kind of enjoyed working with. Uh, you know, didn't know what to expect from him. I had never worked from him before. He had a great reputation for food that he did while he was up there. Uh, it was kind of cool to have a conversation with him and, and really talk with him a little bit further. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. <clears throat> so every week I interview people that I, uh, that I like, people that I meet, people that I enjoy talking to, people that I have conversations with. Sometimes it can be an Uber driver. Sometimes it can be one of my good buddies who I worked in a kitchen. Sometimes it can be my spiritual advisor, Miss Sally Miller, who knows her Sally Marie young. Sorry, she got married. Um, but, uh, this person who is about to come up is, uh, is just awesome. Uh, I can't, I can't help but laugh when I think about her, when I, uh, when I when I have uh, just thoughts about her, she just cracks me up. She is a, a, a wonderful person, uh, just an amazing personality and super, super high energy. And one of those people who really just genuinely wishes the best for people. And uh, you can feel it. It, it. She just exudes happiness um, in everything that she does unless her team loses. She is a massive Ohio State fan, uh, being just a little bit south of Cleveland. She is from Ohio. I met her about two years ago when I was shooting a pilot with my brothers at the Ugly Brother Studios. Um, first time we'd ever met, we had, co- had a real brief kind of conversation. But as soon as we met, there was a click. There was an interaction. Um, there was a, a friendly attraction between the two of us that I just really liked. Um, it was a nice it was a, it was a nice vibe that kind of went between the two of us. And we come from totally different worlds. You know, I mean, Melissa's a, a stunning blonde athlete. I'm, I'm a short fat guy who cooks, you know, I mean, two totally different worlds. So when I met with Melissa the first time, I, I, I could do nothing but laugh. She literally she just cracked me up. She's got the mouth like a truck driver um, with the body of a Barbie doll. And, and, and the brain of, of an Einstein, you know, she is a very, uh, has a very entrepreneurial spirit to her. She owns a company called Naked Feast, uh, which started out in uh, Whole Foods and stuff like that. She was baking them in her kitchen. She has grown, uh, leaps and bounds to where she is right now. Now she does, does, uh, muffins and breads and uh, cookies that she actually sells to Delta Airlines. So they are on Delta Airlines if you're sitting up there in the first class or if you're back there in the, uh, in the other section of the plane. Um, they're in there. So the next time you get on there and you see Naked Feast, you can scream out, hey, I heard about her on Duffified Live. So everybody do me a favor, a huge favor. Shut your radios, uh, shut your doors, get the kids out of the room uh, because we are no stranger to cursing over here. We've got the uh, the explicit rating, which I'm pretty happy about. And uh, check out my dear friend, a wonderful human being, Miss Melissa Feaster. 
about two years ago, I came in contact with a woman named Melissa Feaster. Uh, we shot a pilot together. We did some a uh, little bit of fun stuff in a studio together. We got to have some fun for a TV show working with my brothers. And uh, possibly one of the most badass chicks that I've ever come in contact with in my life. And if you could see the big, beautiful smile that is staring back at me right now through my Skype screen, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's so much more than just that smile. So uh, everybody do me a favor. Turn your radios uh, up. Get your kids out of the room because I'm no fucking stranger to cursing. And if I lose my explicit rating i get pissed so everybody do me a favor and say a big hello to my dear friend melissa 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 feaster what is shaking bacon (laughs) by the way that was probably freaking the best intro i've ever had in my life ever Um, i wish you could walk around with me at all times and introduce me to everybody that way because i sounded really cool i can put that on like a t-shirt for you could you? I will definitely put it on a t-shirt for you. I it's really long, but I, ro- I will rock it probably every fucking day. Well, the new style is to wear like long t-shirts. So well, we've got you covered. There you go. Well, no. I don't want to cover too much though. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. That's true. You know what we could do is we could create like a new kind of wrap around t-shirt. That, I dig that it. The quotes just go the whole way around. I mean, it's strictly below breast. Oh, well, duh, that's a given. And then it has to be shorter in the back so you can still show your ass. Of course. Yeah. So it'll be cut out in the back. I just took my daughter to New York the other day. And see, now now do you know why we need an hour to talk? See, yeah. (laughs) So just so everybody knows, we're doing this super fast. It's first interview with Melissa. But I I had to get her on because I'm so proud of everything that she's done in the last couple of years that I wanted to talk to her. But uh, uh, she has to go to dinner. So she has dinner reservations tonight. So we're doing this super fast. But I took my daughter to New York this weekend and we bought sweatshirts and they're all super long. And have you seen Shit's Creek yet? No, but I like the title alone. Whoever created that is brilliant. Yeah. You know who it is? Eugene Levy and his son, Dan. No shit. Yeah. And their daughter's in it. His daughter's in it as well with Catherine O'Hara. I'm not kidding you, Melissa. I I swear to God, I had tears in my eyes the oh, other yeah, night. Listen, the name—I uh, am in it for names. <laughs> you know how freaking awesome names are. I know. That's well, why, like, you, names are everything. So, They're so ha- the mayor of Shit's Creek is Chris Elliott from yeah, the something cast about Mar- seems sick. And his name is Roland Shit. Oh and my the God. father's name is Horace Shit, and Roland's wife is Jocelyn Shit. So we've got Roland Shit, Horace Shit, and Jocelyn Shit that are oh like. Three constant references, but but that's not why we're here. I want to talk to you about what you do. So tell tell everybody one the one thing that you do that I think is super cool. The one thing. <laughs> well, there's okay in in the food realm of what we do with our life. What is the one thing that you do? I have and created started my own gluten free baked goods business. It is now actually since you and I last were together. That didn't sound right. We were last. Worked you know, together. We did. We worked. We weren't together. We worked okay, together. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah see, see, I still my, have. I do have to tell you, I still have that picture in my phone. I love it. It's I have the picture different. of you and I in the studio in the phone on my phone. It's I fucking know. amazing. I'm, I, By I, the I, way, I'm so glad that you said, you know, kids out of the room when we're listening to this show because you know my mouth. Oh, I know. I know. You're like a truck driver. Just yeah, a super hot truck driver. <laughs> Someone said you're like a truck driver with tits. Yeah, exactly. Like, cool. Well, yeah, but the truck driver with tits was like uh, Pee Wee Herman 
with with Beulah driving down the highway. That's that's not. <laughs> you are far from a Beulah. So we've got. Well, that. you know, my business has is called Naked Feast, and I named it Naked Feast because a it's naked, it's good for you, and all that. But I love anything that has to do with being naked. So right. it worked both ways, and then feast because feaster. Um, and that is my healthy baked good business that I created out of my own little studio kitchen about what three or four years ago now. Jeez, oh Pete's. Where so where are you still baking in your kitchen? Oh my gosh, thank the Lord, no. But I would start baking all through the night, and then I got a commercial kitchen, and they would only give me hours from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. So I would have to go bake all through the night and then I would have to deliver to all my customers and stock shelves and all that stuff. And thankfully now I have gotten other people, manufacturers across the country to bake my products for me. Really? So you're in all Whole Foods now? I'm not in, I, so I started in Whole Foods Okay. and then I created new breads. And then along the way, uh, some airlines said, hey, would you be interested in, you know, making some better for you products for us? So I kind of stopped the whole Whole Foods because I was basically creating all new products that just right. were all consuming. And then I launched one of my muffins, my new muffins on Delta just a few months ago. No way. For their breakfast routes. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. So it's, hey. and listen, I never thought. I was hoping just to go nationwide into Whole Foods, and then these actually new products that I created, they're even better than the breads that I was selling in Whole Foods. So I'm not even selling those breads from Whole Foods anymore. Wow. I have br two brand new muffins and two brand new cookies, and they are kick-ass. The best so I've ever had, the best I've ever made. What made you go into a gluten-free, I mean, obviously you started a couple of years ago before the whole, you know, I mean, the trend was really just yeah. kind of moving, but, but what put you into that world? I mean, I what's your background that all of a sudden says, fuck it, I'm going to put food together. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of food allergies. I've always had dairy and things like this. And then over the years, this whole gluten started with my system where I would just, you know, get sick from eating a lot of gluten products. So there's again before it got super cool to do gluten free um there <laughs> the, weren't a the lot Adkins of, of the millennium totally totally yes. but there weren't a lot of options out there that actually tasted good it most gluten-free products taste like ass they're dry cardboard so my goal was to give people products that were better for you and gluten-free that actually tasted good nice and that's what i did and how and so how did the I mean how did the recipe how long did it take you to come up with the initial recipe and how many versions so so the initial recipe makes it to shelf and yeah. then how much changing did you do to get to where you are now So what started and got to the initial first stores of mine I could not mass produce in a commercial kitchen in a, in a, a big kitchen. It just wasn't producing the right way. So a manufacturer and I teamed up and we created four new, completely different breads. Wow. Um, and you know, they're never like what, how they taste when you're making it out of your own kitchen. Ever, ever, never. It's yeah. like, you know, anything that you're making yourself in smaller quantities, it was going to be better than like the mass production. So those four new breads, I then switched and started into Whole Foods and into stores. 
And then that's when along the way these airline things came up and said, hey, are you interested in, you know, making any products for us? But they have certain requirements. And that's why I couldn't just take the breads I was already making and just give them to them because they had to be lower sugar or certain amount of grains or whatever their requirements were. So that's when the new products came about. And so Delta had these products, these products requirements as well? Yes. For you guys to do it. Yeah, a lot of these airlines, and they're trying to get, you know, better for you products on their flights. Right. I've noticed it. I mean, you know how much I fly. I've noticed it all the time. You fly all the freaking time. Yeah. I mean, I'm an American guy. I'm not a Delta, and I'm not a beat the shit out of you, United. Have you seen some of these? Have you seen these memes? They're awesome. Did you see Southwest? There was a great one for Southwest today that was like. Uh, it was, we'll beat the price is not you. <laughs> we'll beat the price. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. I, I can't. I mean, I don't know what happened, but you know what? At this point and in this day and age, who really gives a shit what happened? Totally. We get really cool memes out of it. Totally. It is amazing. No, I, I was dying. Well, but, the, but you know, I mean, Delta kind of pushed this launch for better ingredients, better products, all this. And now every airline is kind of wanting to do the same thing because Delta was just doing a good job and got great reviews last year, right? which is great for me because my products are better for you with good ingredients and all that stuff, but they still taste good. That's the point. Better for you most times means it tastes like shit and you should just eat a piece of celery. I agree. I do like celery though. I have to say, see, I mean, some are good and these are kick ass. They're the best ones I've ever had, best ones I've ever made. I never thought I would be working with airlines or kind of in the food service business. I always thought I would just be in retail, um, but now it's cool. So are you doing any, I mean, are you still doing any retail besides the airline? I literally just got new, because you do all new packaging and labels and nutritions and, you know, all that stuff. So I literally just got all that done. So I can now start getting back into retail so people can go into a store and and buy it rather than on a flight or in their, you know, by the coffee machine in their office. (laughs) And I know, I mean, I did, uh, I did development for a while. I did it for a year. When I left restaurants, I went into development. And one of the things that I was disgusted by were the, the ingredients that were in there. I mean, ingredient statements that are, you know, that you're having to fold open on a lot of these products just to continue to read through with it. So how did, how did you come to the point to find out like some of your preserve, your, your preservatives that are more on a natural cleaner level than using, I don't know, sodium tripolyphosphate, which isn't sure right. it's not, but it's the only chemical I knew. So. Yeah. No, 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 no. Totally. Well, that's one of my rules is if I can't pronounce it, then you don't then I'm sell not it. Freaking putting it in my, you know, I, I, I want to give, I want to give products that I would eat myself. Right. If I can't pronounce the shit, the ingredients in there, then that's what it probably is. It's probably shit. Right. None of my breads, muffins, cookies ever have ever had any preservatives in it. Um, that's also a reason why it might not last for six months because it's not stuffed with a bunch of crap. Um, it's fresh. It's healthy. It's better for you. Right. Uh, and a lot of these people, whether you're in retail like a Whole Foods or an airline now like Delta, they have very strict nutritional requirements. Hmm. So you can't just throw whatever you want in it and then they buy it. I mean – it took months and months to go back and forth to get the stuff for the airline down because, you know, every half of a gram of fat or sugar or saturated fat counted. 
um, in, when they were selecting certain items. Really? Yeah. Huh. I mean, it was crazy. I, I was at five. I think my one of my muffins was at five grams of sugar, and it was too much. Like I had to take it down to get it down to four grams of sugar because that was max. Wow. Um, so it's crazy. It's it, but you know what? It makes it better for you. I agree. No, I'm, I'm all for that. People are better stuff. And but the thing is, you know, most of the country they still don't give a shit about doesn't free. No, it's literally like the left and the left and right coast are really it, the big world of that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I'm from, you know me, I'm from Ohio. I Trust me. I, and if anybody who follows you knows you are from Ohio, lady, we, we, <laughs> we know your love for a Buckeye, baby. We know your love for a Buckeye. Wait, what part of Ohio? Uh, a little in like Akron, Medina area, a little south okay. of Cleveland. Okay. Because my mother's from Euclid. Oh, no so shit. Just, How did yeah. I not know this? Yeah. From like my mother's from Euclid. Oh my gosh! So she's yeah. basically from the land too. She is definitely from the land. Yeah, we and we all do it. It's 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 Ohio, not Ohio. It's round on the ends and high in the middle. Yeah, it is the O H, bitches. Yes. We had uh, I actually brought Verners in for my mother's seventieth birthday. I brought in. We had Buckeyes on every table. I did like I went nuts, nuts with Cleveland products for my mother's seventieth oh birthday. I love yeah, it. Was, we had like yeah. like sixty people that came in for it. It was pretty cool. So you know what? And that's what I love. Like, come, I'm in LA now, but it is so I appreciate you know being from the OH even more out here because a most people don't like the Buckeye, so it makes me like them even more. Sure. Um, whatever you know, controversy I can spark up. Um, so, but it, it's great. But I go home and I'm like, yeah, I have you know a gluten free baked goods business, and people are like, what the what what is gluten? <laughs> so on. literally, literally, Ryan. When I go home, all I tell people now, or my parents, when they're explaining what their daughter does, they You're literally just say a baked goods business because <clears throat> it's such a pain in the balls to try to you know describe to them the whole gluten free thing and, and this and that and the other. But then you go home and your and your parents say, "Oh, she lives in L.A. and now you have a baked good business, and now you're like a pot dealer who makes brownies." I know, totally. Which, by <laughs> the way, which by the way, can I tell you how many people are like, you know, different food scientists or people that create formulas? They're like, dude, it is so big out here. If you want to ever get into the medicinal like selling of baked goods, I can make so many products for you. So, so why are you? Not, so is that not something you want to dive into? I, I listen, never, I never, ever say never on any, well, most anything. Right. That could be taken the wrong way. You go hold but listen, I think down the road, if I'm still staying around here, it's such a huge market. Right. So it's big. I mean, I, you know, every time that I have, uh, I mean, I go see my guy, he gives me a, a chocolate bar or gives me a cookie or, or something to try. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, you know I mean? I laugh about it. I, I have a man crush on my guy. So it's, it, it's amazing. Yeah. And by the way, if you're going to go home and drink half a bottle of wine, what the what's fuck? different than having a piece of chocolate that has a little bit of pot in it? You're yeah. relaxed. I, it's so probably better for you. I met a woman once who. And and she's probably going to listen to this, and she knows exactly who she is. We met like eyes, like gaze across a room. Like she looked at me and she's like, "I love your shoes." And I was like, "You stay right there. Do not go anywhere." How and I went over. Compliment your shoes. What's that? 
How did she know to compliment your shoes? I know, and I'm a huge shoe guy, so it was literally know. like she stopped me right there. Hello? But uh, but so I, I I remember specifically, I'm like, you stay right where you are. Don't go anywhere. I have to get a drink. I went over and got a drink. We end up talking for like four or five hours. Long story short, we're supposed to go out on Saturday night. This was Thursday. She calls me in tears at like four o'clock in the afternoon, and she's like, hey, I just need to let you know something. Like, I have a zero tolerance policy for drugs. And I was like, well, that's cool, because all I do is smoke a little weed every now and then. Yeah, like, I'm okay. Like, and she's cool. like, she's like, no, 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 like a zero tolerance policy for drugs. And I was like, all right, well, cool. It was great meeting you, and I wish you the best of luck in your life. <laughs> and she's like, well, I, what, you're just going to stop right there? You're just going to kind of give up? And I said, look, I watched you drink like six glasses of Jack totally. Daniels. Totally. But you're gonna give me shit because I took off. I took a hit off off a little bit of a weed, like weed. Yeah, that like is such. Three nights I ago, couldn't agree with you more. It's such bullshit. Such hypocritical you know, bullshit. Everyone's way is the right way, and and your way is wrong, and that's why I've lived like you know. You listen. You know how it is when you're yeah. making, you know, creating your new restaurants and menu. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody's opinion is right. It's like fuck that. Do your thing. Do you. Yeah. And then in the end, it, that's what will be successful. Even though, you know what I will say to counter that, I started out as gluten-free. I never said I would specifically always be gluten-free with all my products. But the mass quantity when you're getting into food service or working with airlines, they don't care about gluten-free. They want no. their gluten. Yeah. So I actually, for some airlines, have made the same type of cookies and muffins that are gluten-free but in a gluten version still better for you, still healthier, but it's not going to exclude me from people who want to eat a gluten cookie and they don't need or care about gluten-free. So I do have gluten and gluten-free products now. Um, So again, maybe next is some pot brownies and some shit. (laughs) I will just, I'll give you my address. And And I'll send it to your freaking shoe lover. Yeah. Oh my God. That was crazy. of me. It was crazy. I have so much to say about that. Oh, God, it was crazy. So I, 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 that was definitely not meant to be. I know. No, no, absolutely. One hundred. I, you are absolutely right. So I have one more thing because I know you got to go soon, and I, I can't believe I, I got you for this this short amount of time because I want you for more. But I'm, that's what um, they always. Brian, <laughs> so what? So what? This the love for the Buckeyes. I, I know you're from Ohio. Do you go to that many games? No, it, no. When I was in Ohio. Okay. I went to school in Miami, Ohio. Right. Grew up on there. I did. Um, but now it's difficult because just being on the uh, in LA and on the West Coast. Yeah. But I, I mean, it is live, breathe, everything. Buck. And again, I grew up playing sports. I don't know what else you'd kind of do in the Midwest anyway. Like my life revolved around sports. Yeah. I was supposed. To, yeah, exactly. Well, it was you know. It and, was and Midwest, like, I love you. I love you, Midwest. You know my deep love for the Midwest. I mean, it was a toss-up. It was like basketball or some crack. And I was like, (laughs) ah, fuck it. I guess I'll play sports. Um, But I was supposed to play basketball in college, and I even signed to a a, a school, and then my knees busted. And so I've always loved, 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 been in love with sports and just been a huge, huge sports lover. Um, and I think again, it's gotten even, it's grown just being out here because you're so, you're so the minority being a a Cleveland fan or a Buckeye fan. So I think that's why I'm even more proud of being from Ohio and all my sports teams, even if they shit the bed, like the Browns every fucking season. Come on. The Browns Um, are like the, I, 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 I love the Browns. 
Because they just, you know, they're like, a, and this is going to sound fun. They're like a cute team. And I don't mean like a cute, like, like they're a good looking bunch of guys. I mean, like, they're kind of a cute team. Like, they show up every week. They play some games. Every now and then they might win something. I appreciate that. But I'm also like, okay, <laughs> win. Like, if you're not first you're or last. Me? Do you know where I'm from? I know. I'm from the land of shit the bed. We will we will have the greatest Super Bowl game in the history of Super Bowl games. We will be in the in the lead the whole game, and then literally <laughs> we will lose at the end. I know. Like our team but, starts walking, they're like, "Yeah, oh, let's put this, let's put the third string in now because we've had such a great game." I mean, yeah. I uh, listen. I totally feel your pain, even though we could battle because I again am a Cleveland Browns fan, which I don't think there's anything more freaking depressing on the planet than being a Browns fan. You could be a Las Vegas Raider now. Oh my God! Who was that maneuver? <laughs> oh my God! That, by the way, that's going to be amazing for the players. Yeah, here's hookers all day gambling all day, all day. day. All day long, exactly. What the, like, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> Our quarterback didn't show up. They don't He's need still... encouragement for this shit. Like, <laughs> He's in the oxygen. I'm, He's in the oxygen I'm bus. I'm sending my new pot brownies to. Yeah, that, to the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, there's nothing more fun. I mean, you met, that's like being an Arizona Cardinal. Oh, yeah. Like you're hot. You're in the desert, man. I know. What but at least you have mean? a decent team. Yeah. For how long? Well, whatever. I, I'm not I'm not even a sports guy. I don't even know why I'm trying to entertain this <laughs> whole conversation with you as if I'm See, like, well, talk, the stats are. I could basically talk sports almost as much or more than food in my business. Like well, it's, it's so you know, but the difference is you meet a lot of chicks that are like, oh, my God, I love sports. And then you ask them one question. And they don't know shit. And you're right. like, listen, you're just saying this to try to impress this dude. You're an yeah. idiot. Don't pretend like you. I actually do know and love sports um, because, again, that was my whole life. Like right. that was everything. You eat, breathe, and live sports, just like now you do with your business. What did you? What did? What were your sports? I played everything. Literally, yeah. I played every sport, and then I narrowed down to volleyball and basketball, and I played both of them year round from eighth grade on. And then I was supposed to play basketball in college. And I had my second knee surgery after I signed to a college. And the doctor was like, dude, if you want to walk when you're 30, I highly suggest that you don't play. Wow. And so my dream of being the female Michael Jordan was shattered. I was heartbroken. <laughs> I did not watch a game of basketball for four years. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was, it was tough. Like that was my thing. Uh, and then I started my own, I moved out to LA and started this business and it's funny, you know how to, you can totally relate to this. People always ask when I'm doing a demo and I'm at a store or whatever, they'll say, do you have kids? And I'll say, yes. And I'll name my products and I'll say, they're the biggest pain in my ass. Yeah. They take all of my money. All they keep it. me up all night long yeah. but for some reason i love them more than anything i want to see them grow and be big and successful <laughs> but i still fucking hate them and they like ruin my life half the time yeah well and i have that with you all of my business i do i have it with all of my businesses and then i have it with actual real live human beings oh, no. so the human beings, I, but yeah. I'm, I'm lucked out i i lucked out i have two really awesome girls so i i will. yeah your girls are sweet ass i hope my kids are as badass as your kids i just took emily to new york this weekend she, for her, sweet, her 16th birthday. Isn't it amazing? 
She was like, well, I said, what do you want for your sweet 16? And she said, I want to go to New York. I don't want to party. I want to go to New York with you. Just the two of us, we, we took the train up and got a hotel and went out to dinner and went shopping and did all the stupid shit in Times Square. And, you know, we went to Sephora and spent too much money and then went to Brandy Melville the next day. And, you know, when I looked at her on the way home and I was just like, I'm the luckiest dude because she's such a cool. And, and Fiona, Fiona, my, my youngest daughter's in L.A. with Mike right now. I love really. She's, she's been in LA. She's been on Rodeo Drive the entire day. If she takes one oh, more goddamn God. picture of Tiffany, I'm gonna smack her. Uncle Mike is spoiling her well, and making her a little, little girl LA too. girl. He's Dude, got- you're such a good dad. I can't believe you fucking have a 16 year old. You're like 23. 16, 16 and 13. Yeah, Jesus. Emily was driving. She drove my car the other night. That is insane. Uh-huh. 16. You don't look. 20, a, you don't 20. look a day over 29. Really? Have you noticed? Uh, <laughs> Have you noticed my sunburn? My sunburn scalp that's happening ate, right now. I ate some pot brownies before we started this, so I can't really see the Skype. <laughs> Damn it! Mine are in my mine are in my suitcase. Um, well, I know you have to go, and I hate that you have to go because this could. I have a feeling this could be going on for a while. So, one, we have to do something together because we, yes. I just I loved working with you, even though that short time frame. Oh my god, we have to. <clears throat> yeah. P.S. Just a little bit of information. I don't know if you knew. Your brothers have a production company. I know. And I know people. I I know. Did you know that? I I think, because if I'm not mistaken, they just got five Emmy nominations and two James Beard nominations for a fucking food show. And I've been on TV for 15 years (laughs) and have been a chef for 23. Like, the fuck is this about? Yeah, so we're talking about Ugly Brother Studios, which are my ugly brothers uh, who who live in L.A. Who I'm unbelievably <laughs> proud of uh, for and the for fabulous. all of their stuff. All they three are. of you guys are like the best, my favorite people, fucking we ever. Have fun. Um, but yeah, you and I, like that pilot working together, it was so fun. Was so fun. I know we would rock any show, and we we all know that your viewers love you and know that you are. So freaking good on TV and would love to watch any show that you're on. Um, we, ha- I would love nothing more. And I literally stalk your brothers and like, so yeah. what? When are we going to do something? Yeah. What do was the name of that show? show? What was the name of that show? We were going to, that was a great concept. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Remember you were like this, you well, eat the, here's like the butter lard thing. And I was yeah. like, and how to make it a little healthier. Yeah. But then we went to places what the hell was the name of we it? Went, I don't even remember, but I know we like we were going to different cities and we were going to take that individual. I don't want to talk too much about it because it's a great concept. Yeah, but but it was it was we know what we're talking about. I remember what it is. It was How, good. we need to we have to. I would love nothing more to do that. And I literally bug your brothers. Like what the fuck. Well, how about this? Why don't we do this? I think that we should have you on at least once a month. Ooh, I love it. Maybe we'll just do an episode, you and me, once a month. We'll do like current event shit. We can just talk about stuff. We can talk about like whatever it is. Let's just do that. Let's do something fun. I you want love to? It. I mean, it only I- took me six months to get you on air for this one. So <laughs> I figured that I'll I'll plan this moving forward. Uh, I mean, by by September, we've got a show. Well, and if anything, we can always talk about the Buckeyes and football season because football season kicks off around that time. So we're well, golden. And I know when football kicks off, so you can handle the details of the actual games and all the stats <laughs> and that sort of stuff. I'll talk about what they're doing at the stadium for food. Amazing. It or works what out we well. do for tailgating shit. Yes. Seriously, I love you, and I would love to do something. Um, so I'm count me in. I right. I so, love talking to you, and the show's awesome, and you're awesome, and 
I'm so pumped that I met you and that you know we can do this <laughs> stuff together. Well, you are one of my favorite people because you make me laugh. So um, I love your post. So you got to do me a favor, though. I want you to tell everybody how they can get in touch with you on yes. the social media world. So my Twitter is hot underscore four F-O-R underscore food. Um, hot for food. So you can come tweet me. And tweet. anything inappropriate that I post, I apologize in advance. Um <laughs> Because most of it is inappropriate. Uh, and then Instagram. I'm so bad. I literally just started Instagram. Really? Uh, I, I'm late. Like, I'm late. I was, like, just Twitter, and I did oh, yeah. not want to do anything else except for Twitter. Uh, but Instagram is just Melissa Feaster. Okay. You can come. Really? There. Why don't you have Hot for Food as Instagram? Uh, Keep I don't the brand. Know. Keep the brand, lady. Switch it over. I know. I don't know. I should. I have Naked Feast, I think, somewhere, which is the my brand. But I don't do shit with that. So right. I need to get better with social media. It's a full time job. It. It. Tr- trust me. I. Uh, it, it takes you know, me. It takes me but days. You're so good at it. I mean, you know what? Because I take good pictures and I have funny things to say. I know. Well, you know, I and, and and I and I don't give. I, I really don't give a shit what I post. I post what I what I see and what I do. And I post my shoes, and 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 people go like. I mean, Every I have people. Flight, I'm like, there he goes. <laughs> Do you know that Fiona flew to LA last week? She left on Saturday or whatever day she, she left. Her shoes, took right? a picture of her shoes and tagged American Air. I almost fell over. I swear to God, I, I'm telling you, I had a tear in my eye. I thought it was so the coolest proud. thing ever. I was so proud of her. Like it was awesome. She tagged her Birkenstocks and she tagged American Air. I was like, yeah, fucking like daddy. Dude, I love your shit is good. You're like my role model when it comes to social media because I am so bad with Instagram. And your shit's so good. I'm just not fun and funny like you. Well, so you maybe will. one like day I'll stuff. get there. I like your stuff. So everybody, uh, do me a favor. Follow Melissa Feaster at Hot for Food. Um, anybody who's out there that follows Melissa, come back, check out Duffified Live so that we can do all this good stuff. Um, you and I are not done, my friend. I know you have to go to dinner, and I appreciate the fact that you took this much time to hop in and do this. So thank you very, very much. Thank you for having me on. This is the best. You're the best. And I can't <laughs> wait to do more fun stuff together. I told you you were going to love her. I told you you were going to love her. Melissa Feaster, uh, this is a chick who uh, who literally I've been trying to get on the phone for like six months. Uh, so busy traveling, working between the two of us and our schedules, it just didn't happen. Um, so it was only about a 25-minute interview with her, and I promise you we're going to have her on again because the stories that come out of this chick's mouth are just a complete riot. Um, she's like a sister. She's an amazing person. Definitely check her out on Instagram at hot underscore four underscore food um, check her out on Twitter at uh, Melissa Feaster and that's P-F-E-I-S-T-E-R um, give her some support shout out to Naked Feast for her product and her launches of things that she does um, do me a favor and uh, you know get out there and, and support her she's a super super huge personality she does an amazing job and guess what she's one of my friends on Duffified Live so everybody have a great afternoon uh, with that uh, thanks for listening to Duffified Live for this week. Remember that we have a couple of things coming up with us. Uh, come into the Flying Fish Craft House for the whole week. We're doing a whole bunch of great features that we do on a daily basis, as well as I need you guys to do me a favor and go and support some of the people that support me. Uh, wouldn't, this show wouldn't be happening without the uh, the wonderful world of RadioInfluence.com. Uh, Jerry P. Tuck and Jason down there in Tampa, Florida, I appreciate all that you guys do. My website and all my graphic stuff comes directly out of uh, uh, Breeze, Illinois, from the wonderful Michelle out there at Techno Solutions. Um, she does all my website stuff. She updates on a weekly basis as well. 
Then all these unbelievable and just beautiful and classy caricatures that happen for our advertising come from uh, Maggie Gagliardi. You can follow her on Mags Art, M-A-G-Z-A-R-T, on Twitter and Instagram. Give her some love. She's an amazing person. Also, I've got my own little company called Duffified Experience Group. What we do is we make restaurants successful. We run around the world. We help you guys out. We do creative sessions. We do financial stuff. We work on marketing. We do your menus. We do your training. We get everything together for you so that you guys can have a fun, successful restaurant, which as we just talked about, all comes down to the staff that you're going to hire. So everybody do me a favor. Thank you so much for paying attention to me. If you want, you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Bryduff, Twitter being the same thing. Make sure you get over to Facebook because I do a whole bunch of fun stuff over there, including videos live from the restaurant, plus all the little fun travels that I do around the world. Uh, that is Chef Brian Duffy. I'm in Tampa next week, and then I'm heading down to Fort Myers for a couple days just to take a uh, little bit of fun in one of the kitchens down there, maybe hop on a boat. I wish you guys an amazing week. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, and have a good one. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is a dangerous conversation with Scott Ledger. Quick fix on Radio Influence. I'm going to turn 56 next month. I don't feel it. I mean, I kind of physically feel it because I haven't been working out for quite a few years. So I kind of feel that part of the age. You know, like, what? here, here's an example. Why? Squat down to get a quarter. Hear that? That was my knee. Oh, and you make that noise when you get up. Are you guys old enough to make that noise yet when you get off the couch? When you sit back down, you go, Ugh. You stand up, you go, it's like you're taking a squat. You get off a couch. What? Why all these freaking noises? Here we go. Yeah, yeah, I'll drive. So I feel that part of 56, but I don't feel it mentally in my head. I don't. Uh, I'm lucky. So far, so good. No dementia, none of that crazy Alzheimer's invading my vein. You know what? <clears throat> it makes me wonder if my cannabis use over my years, might quite possibly have quelled a tumor before it became one or is helping strip away fats that would have, you know, coat my brain and give me Alzheimer's. It's kind of interesting to think about it that way. What if you've been eating vegetables like a good boy your whole life? And what if five tumors never happened because of that? Or vice versa. Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.